Listen to better music and listen to music better. Welcome to True Tunes at 45 RPM, the short form version of the ongoing conversation you'll hear on the True Tunes podcast and in the digital pages at truetunes.com. And now your host, John J. Thompson. On this special 45 RPM episode of the podcast, we're giving you an advanced listen to a conversation I recently recorded with John Pantano and our good friend Rami Layton of Alternative Records. John, along with his friend and musical compatriot Ron Salisbury, made music under the name JC Power Outlet as far back as the early 70s and then as Pantano Salisbury when they signed with Larry Norman's solid rock label for their album Hit the Switch. It's that album, long out of print, that Randy is currently restoring for a special alternative records reissue. We've seen what he can do with projects like this, his reissue of Robert Vaughn and the Shadows' Love and War and Two Pound Planet's Songs from the Hydrogen Jukebox were stunning. This project, which as of the time of this recording is still trying to raise the necessary funds through an Indiegogo campaign, has never seen proper release on CD or digital. Bruce and I hope that this excerpt might introduce some newcomers to this worthy album and make sure everyone has a chance to back the campaign while there's time. So let's step into the virtual interview suite to hear a bit of that conversation. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't turn your back on Jesus. No, 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 no. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't turn your back on Jesus. No, 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 no. Cause you don't like the things he did You can turn your back on Spiro Cause you think he split his lid You can turn your back on Speed and Ace Cause every day lay as a knob Don't turn your back on Jesus Till you give the chance you don't like I met Ron in 71 And there weren't a whole lot of rock bands Singing about Jesus in those days Matter of fact, Ron told me that's what he wanted to do. I said, "You can do that." I didn't know that was a, didn't know that was an option. So, I was playing in a rock band, and so was Ron in a different rock band. Ron got got out of his band, and he was doing pretty well. And then he decided he wanted to sing songs about Jesus, and started doing that. And he got a couple of guys from his church that were singing. They were drummer and bass player, and I just happened to know the drummer, and that's how we sort of connected. And I mean, he asked me to join up. Is the only Christian band I'd ever heard was Love Song. I didn't know you could do that. So I was re- very unaware of, uh, you know, I was I was just wanting to play rock and roll. I was, I think I was 19 or 20 at the time. So, but I think Ron was one of the first guys I knew that had such a burning desire to write those kind of songs. So, so I thought, that sounds interesting. Let's do it. And I, I had just become a Christian probably six months or a year before that. I remember uh, not really giving it much thought, but I kept seeing people talking about Jesus and talking about something that was going on. And the way I even found out about being a Christ follower was through my brother, who was younger brother was kind of a crazy kid, came home and started reading the Bible. And I thought, this guy's flipped. So, <laughs> And then I paid attention. I thought, wow, this is fantastic. And then I started to 
follow along. And then, like I say, it wasn't too, too long after that, that I, I gave my life to the Lord at that time. And then someone said, you got to come and hear these guys. They're called Love Song. They're playing in Pasadena at this big house. So I said, I'll do it. And it, so that was the, the really early beginnings of that. And, but I think it was a, a direct response to my generation of guys just trying to find something from being a hippie and a rock and roller to something a little more substantial. I do remember at one point being a musician playing around town in several different bands, including my own. That I felt it was a kind of, I was just kind of really worn out with that. And it wasn't, like I say, just a short time after I kind of said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, mainly play music. But then I met Ron. Suddenly life kind of changed. So it was nice to have something that suddenly, suddenly took on a personal meaning for my own life. And, and when Ron started the uh, JC Pilot and asked me to join up, it became a, a whole different world of it felt like a fire was spreading. I mean, and with the Calvary Chapel people and uh, everywhere we toured and played, it was always, you could feel it. There was really, it was a spirit of God just kind of moving around my generation or within my generation. something. I think that's what the whole drug culture was about. And I, I wasn't deeply into the drugs, but I, you know, had my moments where I, I felt that that was the answer and maybe find something else. Everybody was looking for something else. It seemed that way, at least. And obviously the drugs and the, the quote, hippie movement just wasn't, wasn't enough. It was really kind of a, a, a disillusionment of, of what we were all trying to get in our souls. And when I became a Christian, started to see people around me with the same kind of attitude, think, thinking this is really something. It really made an impact. It, it got, it, not only were you saved, you had something to live for. And you felt like, and when it came to music, it took on a whole different meaning. It, it had substance. And then as we started to travel around and starting to see it really all over the country, you felt the same thing. 
It's hard to define it, but it was it was a very spirit filled time. But it was a product of what I think the the hippie subculture was, just searching for something. Now, of course, I like rock and roll. That's what I grew up with. I grew up playing Jimi Hendrix and all that stuff. And to me, it felt like it was a a great avenue to. But it, it was more. It wasn't just to play rock and roll and you know put a label on. Oh, let's do some Jesus songs. You won't, you won't, you answer when I call. Don't be afraid, I'll hold you up if you begin to fall. I will keep you, keep you, keep you covered with my love. If you keep your mind on me and think of what's above. Hold on to me, keep on reaching higher. You'll find your fallen dreams. Back then, uh, there wasn't a lot of acceptance also within the, the Christian, you know, there, there was a lot of places we they wouldn't have us play. <laughs> so, and there were some places we couldn't, we couldn't bring our drums in. We, we did an acoustic set. When, when they allowed us, if they allowed that, but a lot of times we were a little bit too heavy, even though I don't think, looking back, we were as heavy as some of the bands now, so, but we were in those days considered a, a little bit too radical. As a matter of fact, we, I remember going to a specific place to play and they canceled us while we were on our way. Back east, where one of the colleges, they, because they had heard the term going around was, well, rock and roll is of the devil and it's satanic and these guys are this and that and the other. And so we went through a little bit of that. It wasn't traumatic, but it was, it was out there. Yeah, our sound was a, probably a little bit radical for the day, but there were others doing it. We did a lot of colleges. Colleges were right down the right avenue for us. We played a lot of festivals and, and beaches. I have a fun memory of a beach thing. That, uh, I think the Hells Angels were in the back behind this huge group of people on a beach. And we were playing our radical stuff. And you could see they were looking at us. <laughs> it was kind of scary. It's like, But then afterwards, they, one of the guys came up to me and thought, uh-oh, here we go. And he, he came up and he just said, you know, brother, that was fantastic music. I love it. And he was just a real positive. We didn't do a lot of clubs, but we got a chance to play in some pretty great places that were different than the church setting. Use the term you know, be commercial, but we wanted to appeal to more than just the Christian market. And I think that hit the switch record. It, it still was difficult because you, you got to sort of appeal to both. And that was Larry's intent. Also, he wanted the records to stand on their own and not just be Christian-sounding records, whatever that meant at the time. It's a lot different now. Uh, but I think that there was a, de a deliberate attempt to try to be a little more commercialized, if, for lack of a better word, uh, and, and try to get a. But something that sounded obviously professional because a lot of times 
because the early recordings, at least ours, were just not, they were kind of, you know, it's a bad word to use, but they were kind of schlocky sound. And Christian music was changing at that time too. It, was, it became very different after, I mean, in the 80s and 90s, it was a whole different thing. So at that time, we were trying to do something that was a little different. We didn't want to fit into just completely the same Christian mold. At the same time, we wanted to express our personal views, and, and I think the songs do that. But, and Larry was real good at bringing that sort of out of us, so keeping obviously a great Christian songs, but making them sound a little more like they should in, in a sense. And then Randy t recently made them sound even better. point I had decided that you know anything I saw of rock was something I wanted to pick up because there had been a history of everything that they had done being really high quality artistically so I already knew who, the, who these two guys were just because of, you know the JC Power outlet so I was intrigued to see what that would sound like and I really liked the record a lot it seemed really contemporary it, it seemed to fit in with the things I was listening to whether that was the commercial scene or the Christian scene. And I kind of found myself almost you know, defending that over the years. I just remember one of the first things that really irritated me was some review where whoever wrote this said something like, Christian disco, question mark, you know, well, you know, here's the town of Salisbury with, you know, like Soul Seeker or something. Whoever song they were picking on. And I'm going, it's not disco, you know? I mean, I know what disco is. It's like fun. You know, so just over the years, it, it just, you know, was another record that I, I just really enjoy. It just kind of fell into my lap back around 2018 that I had the opportunity to actually put it out because Charles the Solid Rock didn't really have much interest in doing anything with it. So asked if I would, and I said, well, sure. And then I kind of, you know, sat on it for a while. <laughs> there are a lot of issues going on, health issues and things like that, and other projects I was working on, and then I unfortunately kind of had to push it to the side but more recently i was thinking to get and like you know i really need to get this done or it's not going to get done i really had a vision for how i wanted to do this once i got into the multi-tracks and things like that i again like with the robert vaughn project i realized there was a lot of gems there that people hadn't heard either because of the way things were mixed or editing choices or 
in a couple of cases, songs that just weren't used. And sonically, it was just terrific, you know. One of the points I, I make is that side two of that record ran 26 minutes. And if you know anything about, about vinyl mastering, you know, that's really compressing a lot into one one side. So this is going to be great because because uh, there's no compression. So everything just is going to sound great. It's going to look great. My artistic idea is to try to replicate the original album as much as possible. But we're also going to add a lot to that. You know, I'll be writing, you know, liner notes and telling a story and there'll be photos and things that people haven't seen before. So in addition to all the things they haven't heard before, there'll be a lot of new, new visual aspects as well that I, I, I hope people will enjoy. I think over the years, uh, you know, John's been really good about letting me you know, run with it. And I've been very happy to send him, you know, advanced mixes of things. And he's been happy with, with those. And so I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm doing okay. And, and it's important for me to want to do okay, not just for John, but also for Ron. You know, it's really important for me to get it right for, for Ron's memory, because Ron you know, left us a few years back due to a, a battle with uh, leukemia. So I feel like there, there's a bit of weight there. You know, there's, there's a legacy that I want to, uh, to really do right by. Have you ever failed? That it really won't be long Have you ever felt There's just time to sing a song Before The one we long to see The king of history Comes back to reign I'm grateful that it, it happened the way it did because to me even my own church where i go to now it it seems like church now is a derivative of that like my church now has drums and guitars and it's really somewhat contemporary if you want to call it that and i think that that's a meaningful impact that that it left in those days in, in the music world which it, it affected people that became ministers people that, be, that uh, were doing music to this day it, it kind of represents a newer version of what was going on back then uh, for me, you know, it's just a, obviously a very personal thing. That is, it changed my life. Music was such a part of my life. It was so fantastic to see that that God could use anybody and that God could could do something uh, on a spiritual level. And that's I, I can only attribute to it to that that God had a movement at that time and it developed into what it is today. I don't know where we'd be if that didn't happen. So I find it very uh, very uplifting to look back on that. And really, years not that many years ago, I thought, well, that was just a history that. Uh, I mean, even my the music I did with, with Hit the Switch, I thought, well, that, that was long gone. It's long past. It was really kind of meaningless of the past. But now it's taken on a different life. I think Christian and the cult, the Christianity and the culture has, has evolved. And it's really great to see another generation of people doing uh, the same kind of thing in a different way, obviously a newer way. But I feel pleased and proud that I got to be a part of something that was that it, it was important. I guess an importance seems to last for generations. It's, it's to me, it's still important because before that, I don't remember much. I was too young, probably, to really be in tune with what was really happening. You just kind of you get caught in the whirlwind of it. But when you see it, it's changed your life in the long term. So where I'm at today, it's, I feel like I'm looking back. I say, "Wow, look at all these steps that happened to to bring me to this place and to bring the church to this place." I think it'd be so great to keep some of that going. I think the Jesus Revolution movie reminded me of a lot of stuff. It was kind of 
one viewpoint, but it reminded me of the importance of what happened back then and how so many people got pulled out of maybe a strange life and brought into something that was more clear and real. And to this day, I've talked to many guys that were still, many of our pastors, many of them were still involved in church music, many of them were still doing it all because of what happened in those early years. To be near you is a feeling of its own close to you. I never stand alone resting in your special care. That's where I Again, depending on when you hear this, there may still be time for you to back the project and help it come to pass. You can find the link on the show notes page or just Google Pantano Salisbury Hit the Switch on Indiegogo and you will find it. And if you're hearing this after the campaign is over, well, sorry about that. Hopefully you can still find a copy of the 2023 reissue. It is worth the search. And this is just another reminder of why you should sign up on the email list here at True Tunes. True Tunes at 45 RPM is produced by John J. Thompson and Bruce A. Brown for Gyroscope Productions and is intended for the private use of our listening audience. The contents are protected by U.S. copyright law and are the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions, with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten materials. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions. Thanks for listening. Cheers. We'll see you next time. Cheers.